Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Real Blend, a podcast that might have just seen a top-secret screening of this year's ultimate Best Picture winner, and yet we can't talk about it. Can't do it. Can't. <laughs> Sorry. Lock and key, under wraps, total embargo situation. Uh, you guys will have to wait until we're able to say something. So, what can we say? Well, this is episode number 36, for those of you who are keeping track wow. of such things at home. 36, right? Wow. I'm Sean O'Connell, Managing Director here at Cinema Blend, and my Real Blend co-hosts each and every single week are Mr. Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. He's looking at his phone because he thinks he's going to go second, but you're not your first. Kevin, how are you? Actually, my phone is over there. I'm, I'm not looking at my phone. I was uh, listening to your introduction, and ah. I uh, look forward to your uh, your punny introduction every week, so that, <laughs> that's what I was focusing on, to be honest. Well, the one I'm looking at my went- phone. The one who went to the top secret screening that we can't talk about is Mr. Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 true. in this Chicago. And the only reason I brought it up, because I know it's top secret, hush, hush, lock and key, is that Jake tweeted uh, a picture of himself at the top secret screening. And my guess was Hello. Star Wars Episode Nine. Was it Episode Nine? It was Episode Nine. Yes! How is it? Yes. Great? Uh, <laughs> it's much better than Last Jedi. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Every week Aww. we are. How, how is it? It's how, nothing but porgs. Can you tell me uh, how was how Matt Smith in the movie? <laughs> uh, uh, he's fantastic when he dies. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Is he Ray's mom? Yes. And Carrie Russell is Ray's dad. It's a bold choice. <laughs> that is, that's a way to go. <laughs> well done, JJ. <laughs> yeah, way to flip the script. All JJ needs to do at some point in episode nine is have a Felicity reference. There needs to be some type of Felicity callback or something. <laughs> I, I just need, I need that in my life. I don't know if he'll do it. Oh, it wasn't, wasn't Abrams involved in Felicity? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So that, that's kind of how they probably have that connection. Right? All right. Not to sidetrack right off the bat, but on Sunday, um, we went to bagels. We got bagels for breakfast and I was wearing a star Wars t-shirt and there was a girl behind the counter and she said, Oh, I love your t-shirt. I said, Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. She goes, Oh, I'm a huge star Wars fan. I said, she goes, I really love the last one. And I was like, Solo? She goes, yeah, yeah, Solo. Um, but I didn't like Last Jedi. And I was like, oh, why didn't you like? She was like, that part where he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder. I swear to God, she said that. That was actually and, Kevin's mom. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people can't really get past that scene. Kevin's description of it is, and I know we've, we've touched on it a thousand times, but I, yes. I've stolen and quoted Kevin many times. Kevin's description is what? Oh, the, the oh, SNL. It's an SNL. It's an yeah. SNL oh. skit. It's, yeah. it's genuinely watching, like, it, it's what Lorne Michaels would have had his cast do with that scene. Like, they, <laughs> would, they would have had, like, Mark Hamill on the show, and it would have been, like, a whole wacky bit. By the way, I know people may be listening to this that aren't watching it live, but uh, if you're watching it live, uh, Sean O'Connell's uh, screen, it looks like BB9E is, like, right below his where his shirt is doesn't it jake do you, like, do you see right it here. a little right. bit i know it's the microphone oh it's yeah. okay yeah it's a little bit like yeah. bb90 yeah. from i don't want uh, to mess with it because gabe's gonna yeah. yell at me if i That's juggle my microphone so much so uh, so listen as kevin said some of you are watching it live here on the facebook page some of you might have downloaded it after the fact and you're listening to us via itunes or google play spotify and all those different portals and by the way once you are on itunes and you guys don't know this yet you need to do us a huge favor because you need to leave us a star rating and a review if you can. We have 42 star ratings already, which to me is insane because if we can have more star ratings than we have episodes, like I'm deeming this a success. Mm. We absolutely can't wow, thank we you guys do. enough. We do. We right. do. But And that means that once we catch up, we're just going to stop recording. Well, this is the thing. So Gabe laid down a challenge and he says 100 star ratings by the end of the year. Okay. This right. is oh, the gauntlet. He has thrown okay. the gauntlet down. So I'm throwing okay. it down right. for everybody else, even if you have to create fake <laughs> fake accounts. <laughs> please Jake's help takes us one. get to. <laughs> Jake's takes two. Jake's takes three. No, I don't want any fake reviews. No. Uh, they, they all got to be legit. Dunkirk 3794. <laughs> Russian bots, please help us out. Um, please. And if you go and you leave a review, um, we have promised that we will read it at the top of the show. So I want to get to two because we got two in the past week. Um, and I'll read them relatively quickly. This is Mighty Quinn 7777, who gives us an A plus and says, I listen to a ton of movie entertainment related podcasts, and this one has quickly become my favorite. The conversations are always great and the hosts play off one another perfectly. They always seem like they're genuinely having a great time. Definitely a show worth listening to. So Mighty Quinn, we thank you very much for that. And then Spacey Jr. 
says, and this is cool. I love this. <laughs> I hope not Kevin Wait, Spacey I, Jr. I, I, I'm trying to figure out the name there. Is that, Spacey that, Jr.? Is that a, it yeah, could be something I, to do with Kevin Spacey. Well, maybe because we talk about Usual Suspects and Seven and things like that. Or maybe it's the person's actual last name. It could be. Uh, he says, I stumbled upon, and I want to get to this in a second. I stumbled upon you guys looking for Deadpool 2 reviews. And after listening to your episode with Rob Liefeld, I was hooked. I'm a huge Deadpool fan. I love the dynamic between the three of you that keeps it fun and entertaining. I've listened to all of your episodes and I look forward to each new one. Thanks again for such a great podcast. Dunkirk in all capitals. Uh, now, so you, no, say it right. That's say it right. Is that is that really happening at the end of these reviews for real? I do at the end of all these reviews, That's people so are putting cool. Dunkirk. <laughs> um, my my my, Dunkirk! my fervent hope is that like that that saying at the end of the show that maybe mm. one person a week finds the movie. I, I know it made a lot of money. People saw it, <laughs> but maybe that person hasn't seen it and they and they somehow pick it up and watch it. Well, and this is what um, I love about this, is that I did search Deadpool 2 reviews on iTunes, and our logo, like our logo now shows up on the movie uh, news. Really? Yes, we're there. We're Hot officially damn. a site that people can find, which I think is- We have a logo? Cool. We have a logo, <laughs> yes. And a yep. Twitter account, at RealBlend, which people should follow. And show notes, apparently. I still, <laughs> I still am blown away by Rob Liefeld's um, theory of Avengers Infinity War. I think it was- someone else's theory that he heard or something. I can't remember the where it came from. Um, but if you haven't listened to that episode, I guess I'll call this a tease. Go back and find our Rob Liefeld Deadpool uh, episode. His theory about what, what happened at the end of Infinity War and leading into the next Avengers movie, I think that there's something to be said there. I, 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 the more I've thought about it, the more I think that he's right. If it ends I mean, up being true, I think it could be really cool. Um, in terms of it's, a, it's handled. I mean, basically, for people who are listening, he essentially says that everybody who disintegrates is actually alive, and everybody mm-hmm. who is there to witness them to disintegrate is actually dead, which makes perfect sense considering the core Avengers were left at the end of that move at the end of the movie, right? So, yeah, it, I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, that, and I think that I mean it makes perfect sense that that would happen, and then uh, maybe the other, I don't know. I fell down a red a Reddit uh, wormhole where people were analyzing. Those are well, dangerous, dude. Well, because the costumes deteriorated, it meant that the snap was able to affect um, manufactured product. And I was like, really, guy, we're really going this far down into <laughs> trying to figure out who disappeared and why. Um, you know who else sort of took a theory about superhero movies? And this is where I want to start our news section is uh, Ethan Hawke. And I, did you guys read his comments yes, about I superhero did. movies? And yes, I did. I have a lot of thoughts. On Kevin, that. you haven't seen it? Uh, is it, is this no i've not seen his thoughts no All right. sorry. he he basically in the course of an interview was talking about the difference between and this goes down to the oscars category of popular art versus art right like whether popular movies can actually be but the movie that he he chose to single out in making this comparison is where he loses me because he throws um james mangold's logan under the bus <sighs> and he says uh you know now we have a problem this is his quote now we have the problem that they tell us Logan is a great movie. Well, it's a great superhero movie. It still involves people in tights and metal coming out of their hands. It's not Brisson, it's not Bergman, but they talk about it like it is. I went to go see Logan because everyone everyone was like, well, this is a great movie. And I was like, really? No, this is a fine superhero movie. There's a difference, but big business doesn't think there's a difference. Big business wants you to think that this is a great film because they want to make money off of it. I just think that's such now you can make that argument against some superhero movies, but I, in my opinion, he picked the wrong one to try to illustrate that point. If he says justice league, fine. I I understand what you're trying to say. But no one was trying, no one was saying justice league was good. My, my thought is if there can be Oscar movies that come out that we are told ahead of time, this is an Oscar movie and have it come out and suck. That means that on the opposite end of the spectrum, we can have a superhero movie come out that could be Oscar worthy. To automatically say that a movie can't be great because of the genre is ridiculous. I mean that 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 I I I respect Ethan Hawke as an actor, and by no means does someone else's opinion of a movie adjust my because I still think it's one of the all time great superhero films of all time. It was my number two movie on my top ten list last year, so his opinion doesn't affect my opinion. I just think that's a really short sighted way to judge movies to automatically put a movie behind the eight ball because it's about superheroes. Yeah, I mean, basically, what Ethan Hawke is uh, vocalizing is the is the 
mindset of why the academy has yet to expand exactly. their understanding exactly. uh, their understanding of what an oscar film is and i agree with you sean like logan is the worst example you can give in that regard because it <laughs> logan like dark knight both transcended that genre uh logan felt like a, a gritty western uh and while the dark knight felt like a like a heat style crime drama um you just happen to have the superhero character immersed in this world and like to kind of to kind of give like mangold and nolan credit in regards to what they did with that with those both of those films is that they actually they actually put these characters in a grounded reality in my opinion where you genuinely felt that this character could exist in this reality. So you would watch something like Logan and it was believable that that Logan Wolverine character existed in a real life situation where you, you know you watch the Avengers and things like that like it, it, there's while it does feel real there there's an element of complete suspension of disbelief in regards to the storytelling there. So Logan is like the worst example you can give. If anything, like I, I'm like offended that he would put that film uh, in that conversation, considering that was one of the greatest. I agree with Jake, one of the greatest superhero movies ever. And like Mangold, I don't even think Mangold would tell you that that's a superhero movie. I don't think he set out to make no. a superhero movie. I don't think he made a superhero movie. I think he made a drama that happened to feature a character that's rooted in comics, you know, and has these powers. But he made an, a Western. Kevin, you said it. Like the genre but, that but it fits in is like this. I also think that's that's dangerous to go down because we have to allow us. Because then I feel like you start um, getting into a world where if a movie is really, if a superhero movie is really good, then it's mm -hmm. inherently not a superhero movie. I yeah, think we, that's we fine. need to allow superhero movies yeah. to be really good in the same way that we need to allow horror movies to be really good. I feel like that happens a lot too. Is when a horror movie comes out that's really good and borderline Oscar quality, then people start going, yeah, it's more of a drama or it's more of a thriller. No, we have to yeah. allow these sub-genres the, the chance to succeed. Or like Kevin said, the Oscars will never recognize them. A, a superhero can be a good superhero movie and have dramatic impact without us then having to go, yeah, but now it's more of a drama because yeah, it's Yeah, yeah, no, but here's what, I think the point I'm trying to make more is that like, if you were to compare Logan and Black Panther, Black Panther to me is a straight up like that's a superhero movie tried and true. Like it, it yes. didn't really try to transcend the genre. Like it just that, made a Black really Panther great example. Touch Logan. Uh, see, it's it's funny you bring up Black Panther because I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I and I get I get the idea that people want to see Black Panther get nominated for Best Picture. It's listen, Black Panther is a very good movie. I think that there is issues with it in regards to like some of the CGI, true. some of the storytelling, but Michael B. Jordan's fantastic. But when it comes down to it. Avengers Infinity War is a phenomenal achievement in filmmaking. Sure. I mean, I'm talking about outside of this superhero genre. I have never seen somebody juggle characters, that many characters, pace your movie that well. Every scene is important. Every line is important. Um, so when it comes down to it, if Ethan Hawke thinks Logan... Is uh is a superhero movie? I can't even imagine what he thinks of Avengers: Infinity War. Now, Avengers: Infinity War, I can I can understand somebody saying that's a superhero film. Obviously, it's the ultimate superhero film. But I think when you're that, I mean, that might have been a better example for him to use because Logan was such a different departure from that genre. Though Avengers: Infinity War, unfortunately, had Avengers: Infinity War maybe came out ten years down the line when hopefully the Academy has opened up their mindset. I think we would be having serious discussions about why that movie deserves a Best Picture nomination, yeah. but it's not going to happen. But you talk about opening up the mindset. Like, I honestly thought that, that it was going to take a lot of the older Academy members not voting anymore. But if someone as young as Ethan Hawke still has that mentality, I yeah. guarantee you he's not the only one. So maybe we don't exist in a world where the Academy is going to really... I mean, it, it, maybe it, it's going to take the creation of a freaking popular Oscar category... For superhero movies to finally get the recognition they deserve, uh, and then Marvel said recently that they're 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 they actually are going to push Panther for picture. Not I mean, yeah, it may maybe including the popular thing as well. But I think Marvel needs. I to just push think Infinity, Infinity War is better than Black. Panther. It is a better movie. Yeah. I, mean, like, I, I understand I think, the cultural movement, exactly. and the cultural significance of Black Panther. But if you're talking about the quality of the film, yes. Avengers is a better achievement, a yeah, greater I mean, achievement. That's what it comes down to. Black Panther was an important film. Culturally, at the time, it's a great movie. It's definitely very, very good. Um, but Infinity War, it, it, the filmmaking in Infinity War is worlds beyond uh, Black Panther. It's yeah. the, that's this is the truth. It really, it's just the truth of the of the matter of the filmmaking and the acting and the and the and the structure and the pacing. It really that, that's what it comes down to. The production schedule on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three has been postponed. 
Do we? Yeah. Do we think that movie just doesn't happen? Would they do? Would that? Could that not happen? Well, I mean, if you look at it in terms of the the larger scope of the MCU story, nobody knows what happens after Avengers Four. Yeah. I mean, Avengers it's broken 4. spirits all around. For sure. Well, yeah. I, the, the story that I read was that Hollywood Reporter, I guess, they had an exclusive about the cast going home not cast the the pre-production people some yeah. pre-production people story? yeah I mean, pre-production so like people who were hired to start the work they were supposed to go into like heavy pre-production towards the end of this year and then start shooting in january or february right and i, I guess some a small group of people had had assembled in atlanta for pre-production like as you said mm-hmm. and they were told to go the, the the thing that scared me the most about that article not that they were told to leave but they were told to look for other work yeah like and i was like well, that that means yeah. that this is because we be forget that like take a, take away james mm-hmm. gunn take away that lead actors we're talking about the jobs and employment and paychecks of hundreds of people absolutely who work job to job and probably blocked off or maybe turned down other jobs because they thought that this this was going to sort of, you know, take up their their next eight months or so. So now you've got a whole slew of people who are now probably trying to jump on from one ship to another, trying well, to just find a paycheck. And also, there, I'm sure he worked with the same people. I'm sure it was a very loyal crew who were probably coming back from, you know, part one and part two, who just wanted to help him continue the story. It's not just Batista, you know, or even Chris Pratt that don't want to do a Guardians movie without James Gunn. It's the, his crew, I'm sure, doesn't want to do a James, uh, Guardians movie without James Gunn. And so my, my point, I guess, just ultimately is, as much as I would enjoy watching another Guardians movie, do I I don't really know if I want to see a Guardians movie that's I, not by yeah. him. Especially, I don't, I don't want to see another Guardians director movie. do a version of a James right. Gunn. Because that's, that's essentially what you would have to do. I so, also didn't, I didn't love Guardians too. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, I'm in between. Now, I guess, putting everything aside, controversially about what happened have I, did i really ever want another guardians 3 i didn't it wasn't something i needed in my life like, that i thought i wanted a continuation of that but i don't know i mean i, I like the guardians when when the russos continued them yep. in infinity war that was and again, i know james was very very uh uh instrumental in that dialogue and the song choices but you know my guess is that they move up doctor strange 2 <clears throat> and um is and derrickson coming back for that I thought so. So he put up an Instagram post the other day of a Doctor Strange um, picture, like a comic still, and a quote uh, from the Bible, and then said, see you in September. And nobody really knew what that meant. They didn't know if that meant an announcement, like an official announcement, that maybe there's a... I think they've been working on a script behind the scenes, but no one really knows where they're going to go. The only thing that that has been talked about after Avengers 4 is Spider-Man Far From Home and this third Guardians, which was supposed to come out in 2020, and now it seems like they're going back to the drawing board. Um, I just feel like they're like they're, they're so like I don't I don't, I don't say it's like one of the lesser tier Marvel movies, but there's not a ton of hype behind Doctor Strange and and Doctor Strange Two. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like there's probably a lot going on that we're just not really paying attention to. I could see all of a sudden them going, "Oh, we're starting production next week." Then all of us go, "Where the hell did that come from?" Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, true. Um, speaking of production and a movie that's about to start shooting, so they add Alec Baldwin to the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Uh, and I think it's a tremendous hire, and Jake hates it. Um, so. I don't know. I, I hate what I. And granted, maybe in the con. I, I, there, well, first of all, we I've been on the record saying I don't like a ton about this movie. And I don't want to rehash the same points that I've made yeah. in past episodes. I don't like what I've read, which is essentially that they're turning his father into Donald Trump, yeah, like an yeah, orange, yeah. loud, bombastic Trump-like character, which is what I've read. Because I feel like, and there are Batman experts out there that could could talk me under the table. But isn't Thomas Wayne one of the fa- fundamental reasons that Bruce becomes Batman? Like he he is like like his father instilled in him a sense of duty and a sense of purpose and a sense of, a sense of debt to Gotham City that turned that that manifested and festered over the course of twenty years. Whenever he went off, that came back, and that's what turned him into Batman. You take that away, and right. you're changing everything yeah. that makes Batman Batman. Then again. Joker shouldn't have a backstory, so what does it matter anyway? Let's just let's just throw crap against the wall and see what sticks. I think it'd be really cool if like Todd Phillips genuinely took the backstories that Nolan wrote jokingly in in Dark Knight of when he when when uh, Joker would tell those stories about his father and things yeah. like that, and did those for real. Like, right. like how cool would that be if they? And again, I know it would never happen, but I, th- I think it'd be kind of cool if they genuinely filmed 
those scenes. Um, can I ask you guys uh, just a quick question in the DC Universe sure. realm? Um, I'll keep it fast, but I saw a tweet today that blew my mind, and forgive me for my ignorance, I've never seen Superman 2, okay. um, the Christopher Reeves Superman 2. Have you guys ever seen Superman 2? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so, um, I've, I mean, I haven't seen Superman 1, I just never saw 2, I don't know why. Never get around great. To it. It's a lot of fun. So at the, correct me if I'm wrong, at the end of 2, and this is based on the tweet that I saw, does Superman kill General Zod? No. Okay. The so. tweet that, that doesn't sound no. The tweet really. the tweet that I saw and I could be wrong and Gabe you can feel free to cut this off the podcast if, if I'm if I'm crazy. <laughs> I saw a tweet that said Superman killed General Zod in, in, at the end of Superman 2 and then also in Zack Snyder's movie. And it was it was a meme that said like look at the look on Superman's face when he kills Zod in 2 and then he kills Zod in Man of Steel. So that that, that led me to my question of why did Snyder and everybody gets so much flack for killing Zod in Man of Steel if that's already happened in Superman 2. It was as if they like broke some Superman rule, but I could be wrong. He does not kill Zod in the second one. I Um, think he did. He figures out what he does, and this is spoilers on this 40-year-old movie. (laughs) Sorry, I I just read a tweet today. I I wasn't sure if it was right or not. And I don't even want to tell you this because this is a really great twist at the end of the movie. Just tell me, just tell me, it's fine. They're at the Fortress of Solitude and Superman, they have Lois Lane held captive. The the three villains have her held captive. Right. And in order to um, get her life back uh, so that they'll let her go, he agrees to go into this chamber and get stripped of his powers. So he goes in the chamber. They trigger the thing. All these lights go off and he steps out. And then the villain tries to swing at Superman and Superman catches his fist and scrunches it. And it turns out that by going in the chamber, he protected himself. Oh, cool. And the three villains lost their power because they stayed out of the chamber. So he's able to subdue them. He picks up the biggest guy and he throws him into like an ice chamber. Uh, And then he he makes Zod kneel before him. But he doesn't. I think then he just sort of corrals them and drops them off in a prison someplace. See, this is a great lesson in how everything on the Internet is pretty much bs <laughs> like it's yeah. <laughs> like like, the, like I'm, I'm literally looking at my twitter feed and this meme comes across and it's literally a side-by-side shot of 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 reeves and cavill and it said he killed him in this movie and this movie yet this is the difference in the two i'm like that's well, pretty funny. apparently I, apparently that was wrong so my apologies for derailing the podcast I, I, I was i was trying to get into a discussion about just kind of the idea of people giving so much hate to man of steel because man of steel is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time and i was i thought that was a great meme if it was true but apparently it wasn't so i was just uh so my apologies move right, on well, yeah i have one, i have a topic for you kevin specifically and then we're going to get into a couple of um review talks and stuff but the uh the final news segment is so danny boyle leaves james bond and the one name that everybody keeps throwing out for a uh. bond replacement is nolan and my question is would you want to see a nolan bond <laughs> should nolan do bond would he do Bond justice, or is that just like not something you want to see him do because he should do his own stuff? Um, uh, here's the thing. So I think with Nolan as a Bond, so I, I I would argue that we've already kind of seen a Nolan Bond movie. That was what Sam Mendes kind of did with um, Skyfall. It just <laughs> felt there was elements of Nolan in that in that film. I guess it was just maybe the darker tone of it, and I taking that universe and kind of flipping it around to be a little more dark. Um, uh, I, I'd say if Nolan does a Bond film that he would, I would, it would need to be, and this is something I read online, so I don't want to take credit for this, but I, and I agree with this. It was something along the lines of like, he needs to kind of back himself away from the, the, the universe, like the broccoli element, which is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, get a new Bond and do it on his own. I think that Nolan, I would argue that Boyle left the film, creative differences, primarily probably because he wanted to go on a route that they weren't, weren't, uh, again, I don't know if this is true, but I would imagine that there is a lot of hierarchy in the bond, in the bond oh, element. Absolutely. That, and, the, and, and the fact that Mendez was able to even make Skyfall, which was so different than every other bond movie was awesome. Now, Nolan, I think is a bit more very detailed, creatively oriented on what he wants to do. I have a feeling that he's not going to let himself kind of work underneath that and wonder if he can so i would That's not fair. want to see a bond film with any restrictions on what nolan wants to do creatively that's kind of where i'd be worried about it that's fair i could see that i think that's why you don't see a lot of um exciting named 
directors working in the Bond franchise. It's your not not that Martin Campbell is a bad director, not that Sam Mendes is a bad director. Um, who's a guy who just did Christopher Robin? Who Mark Forster? Mark Forster. Quantum Assault. Yeah. I mean, they're they're talented filmmakers, but they're not like people who, when they have a new movie coming out, you circle it like, I'm going to the new Mark Forster. Can't wait to see what he does. Because I think that those are people who just sort of sign over and agree to do what the Bond template. Uh, gives them and you're right i think nolan would have to be able to tear it all down start from scratch and uh and do his own type of thing with it this this goes back to exactly what i had an issue with when 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 uh they hired phil lord and chris miller for for solo it's like when you hire someone like danny boyle who's very artistically different from any other filmmaker and visually stimulating tonally and the guy did train spotting when you hire Lord Miller, you're hiring the guys who did Twenty One Jump Street. You, I would imagine you would expect some type of departure from your from your certain tone of of, of storytelling. So there's, I just don't, I can't see envision Nolan answering to anybody. Yeah. You know Kevin I mean? Smith I, I, talks about um, like Kevin Smith, who I think is you know one of the great voices in movies, um, talks about whenever he goes to the Flash or Supergirl, he directs episodes for CW that. He's kind of just pointing people in the direction that they need to go in. He said, "You know, sure. I, he said, you know, I can't make a hello, I can't make uh, a a Kevin Smith version of a Supergirl episode. I can't make a, a Kevin Smith version of the Flash sure. because I have to work under the parameters that already exist. You're, you're, they, they give you the toys, but the toys are in a room and the toys can't leave the room, and you can't bring new toys into the room. Right. And Christopher Nolan is someone that ne- needs to build the building." Or needs to be playing outside in the sandbox, like he, they're like, like Kevin said, no constraints whatsoever. And uh, and and if he's just going to be coloring in like a coloring book, if he's just going to be coloring in within the lines that someone else has already illustrated, then what's the point? I can do that myself. Uh, By the way, uh, just a, one <laughs> little quick clarification on the on the comment I made about Superman. I googled I googled it just now. There's a lot of articles about it actually about really? whether or not Superman kills Zod in, in Superman two. Apparently, from what I'm understanding here, that there was a, a Richard Donner cut of the film where that happened. So I don't know for sure, but if you Google Superman kills Zod Superman 2, there's actually a lot of forums and articles that talk about it. So it wasn't so far out. I don't, I don't, never seen the actual movie. So uh, maybe there was a cut that involved that. Now I'm going to revisit so. this because yeah, I honestly don't remember. It's actually apparently a thing. If you Google it, there's a lot of articles about Lois it. Lois Lane so. punches the female villain. Yeah. Superman chucks the big bearded guy and he falls down like an ice. Just a meme I saw. I have Cave. no idea, but but apparently it's a thing. It's a, it's an actual discussion. Kill Zod. And I, I also feel like why wouldn't this have come up sooner? I don't. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Right. Well, look it up. Look it up later. I, I, it's an interesting topic of conversation because the reason why I brought it up is because everyone gave Snyder so much flack and Nolan for killing Zod and Superman being a murderer. And I always thought it was. I always thought that scene at the end of Man of Steel was actually perfect. He had to make that choice, right. and it put Superman in a position where he had to kill and to save that family. So I always loved that decision. I want to be on record for that. I love that scene. So you know what? Today I watched the Man of Steel trailer because I was zipping through Hulu just looking for something mm, to watch. What and a Man great of Steel trailer! On. It's the great greatest trailer. trailer in every in superhero. So uh, movie history, and the, I wish the movie lived up to the trailer. I know. See, I know you I, like it more than I do. I'd put Man of Steel top seven superhero films of all time. Okay, seven. That's a lot. Top, no, I'm, I'm gonna go top five. Top five, because up there was Spider-Man Two, Dark Knight, definitely Man of Steel, right. Avengers: Infinity War, and maybe Iron Man One or actually no, Civil War. There's, but it's definitely in that realm, and I hate that people hate that movie. I really, I hate it. It makes me so upset. It's getting better it's and better with each new movie they put out. <laughs> it just keeps looking better. It just needs to sit still. I um, love Man of Steel. All right, horror portion. The horror portion of the show. Because uh, I watched the Suspiria trailer, and I have no clue what is happening in that movie. I don't. I just don't know. I don't, I can't tell if I'm interested in it. I can't tell if it's going to be any good. I don't know. Have any buzz on it? It just looks moody and atmospheric, and it looks like he time traveled back to the '70s to shoot it. But the trailers aren't telling me anything, and I, it looks like Dakota Johnson as a ballet dancer, and no clue what's happening. Did you guys get a chance to watch it at all? Any reactions to it? I'm not gonna lie; I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Suspiria. It's this, <laughs> is, is that the, is that Tilda Swinton? It's uh, yeah, Tilda man. Swinton and no, Dakota Johnson. It's uh, I thought it was gonna be a tiff. It's not gonna be there. Yeah. Sorry, um, I've been busy going to secret screenings. Yeah, well, all right, fine. Well, go watch the Suspiria trailer. Kevin, did you see Wait, it? Okay, t- tell me about it. Sell it to me. What's that? Yeah, it, well, first of all, it, it I don't know that I like the way Luca is promoting it. Um, listen, I, I'm 
I'm Suspiria is one of my favorite, one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I mean, like, like the fact that Argento used colors as like leading characters of scare was just unreal. Um, what I do like about Luca making this movie is apparently I read an article today. This is actually really fascinating. When Luca was a kid, he would apparently make posters that said Luca, whatever his last, I can't pronounce his Gu- last name. Guardarino? Guardarino? Yeah. Uh, and it would say his name and then Suspiria. He's always wanted to make a Suspiria oh, really? film. Um, which is interesting to me. Um, and this and isn't I, a straight remake. It's more like a tribute version of right. Suspiria. And, I, and qu- don't uh, quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure this is right. Oh, I'm going to no, quote you. There's no, <laughs> there's no primary colors in the film. It doesn't um, look I like know, it. It looks very washed out. They're washed out. And also I think, um, which is interesting considering how colorful the first Suspiria was. Right. Um, I, I remember talking to Dakota Johnson about the idea that there was no like there's a certain there's a certain barrier of non-color in the film which is I know that you you'll see the red and you'll but it's all like a washed out different shade of of pri- of main colors that you've seen before. I think there's no primary colors but I could be wrong. On top of that, it's shot on film which looks insanely beautiful. Like like the trailer itself like it's gorgeous. You can see the grain. Uh it almost looks 16 millimeter, but I think it's 35. Um but on top of that, I have absolutely no idea what was going on in the trailer. So <laughs> visual Visually Good, speaking, no, I, and what the re, the point I was making prior to going off on my ADD tangent about the filmmaking of it was the, um, he said in an interview recently that he wants this film to be a relentless experience. Essentially, he wants the audience to not feel great while they watch it. Okay, um, well, so I what, saw that footage at CinemaCon that they yeah, showed during yeah. lunch these yeah. sick bastards did. Um, <laughs> so Jake, she's a dancer and she's at a new dance Academy essentially. And okay. um, Chloe Moretz plays, I believe um, a dancer who's been at the Academy for a long time. And they're all studying under Tilda Swinton's instructor. Um, but the clip that they showed at CinemaCon was with no context. Um, Dakota Johnson doing a, a dance routine um, and with every time she moved her body, she was like controlling the body of another girl. But you yeah. never got the intention that it was like that she knew what she was doing, that she was controlling the other girl. They were just linked psychologically somehow. But the girl, as the other girl was dancing to try to mimic her movements, it was tearing her body apart. Oh, And it was like grotesque. Like it was really oh, over the top. Going I'm in. What an elevator pitch, Sean. It, it was over yeah. the top. It was really That's what cool. he's wow. going for, though. I mean, listen. I mean, call me by your name, and this movie couldn't be more different. Um, yeah. Which, which is, which is, which I like. I like a filmmaker who uh, can jump genres like that. And uh, I know this movie's been done for a while. I remember when we were at the Critics' Choice Awards this year. I, I ran into Army Hammer and, and Luca at the at the table, and Army had already seen the movie by the by that point. Oh, wow. The movie's been done for a while, uh, wow. unless cool. uh, unless it wasn't like a final cut or a rough cut of the movie. Um, yeah, it looks. Here's the thing. The trailer, I, I, I guess I wanted to like the trailer more. I think that nothing in that trailer spoke to me storytelling wise. It yeah. just looked, it looked, it just looked wild and crazy. Um, Tilda Swinton, obviously, I, I thought Tilda was so great in Doctor Strange. I, I, I just, I, I loved her in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll watch anything she's in. And I think Dakota Johnson is a very underrated actress. I think that the Fifty Shades films kind of um, put her in that realm of like being that type of actress or whatever that would mean. But she can but break I, out of that in the same way that Robert Pattinson broke out of right. Twilight. And I, I think Dakota is actually a, a really good actress. And I think from the footage I saw in Bad Times of the El Royale, specifically uh, the shot that, that, which they released a new trailer today, by the way, as well. Drew great Goddard. Trailer. Um, great trailer. Um, I think Dakota is actually a very good actress. And I think that, that this movie is going to kind of um, uh, put her away. I mean, listen, the Fifty Shades films, People, people were fans of them. I, I, I didn't hate those movies as much as everybody else did. I just think that, that when you make a movie like that and it's that big, that becomes kind of who you are as an actor, like it did with Robert Pattinson or Daniel Radcliffe or things like that. Um, the key is the roles you pick as you leave a project like that. Uh, and I think Suspiria and Bad Times in the El Royale are going to be very good indications that she's actually um, a, a deeper actress than just what we saw in Fifty Shades. So okay. I mean, I, I, it looks interesting. Before sure. he went to his top secret um, Oscar winning screening, uh, Jake went to Mexico City. And yeah. I don't know anything about The Nun. You haven't told me anything about The Nun. You don't have to tell me about The Nun. You're probably under yeah. embargo. But what I want I you to talk about is the setup for this junket. 
because the photographs were insanely cool. And yeah, it was when, very when we cool. went to San Diego Comic-Con, they showed the nun, um, some footage from the nun at this uh, event that's become pretty popular on Wednesday nights now called Scare Diego. And they dimmed all the lights in the theater and they showed um, a sizzle reel for the nun. And when the lights came back up, um, the theater was filled. Like we were surrounded by those nuns in the yep. habits with the black yep. faces that were all yep. over the place in Mexico city. And it freaked all of us out. So you're here like walking through this cemetery. Yes. With all these oh. nuns in this, in these, and you got to go to Jake's Twitter yeah. feed at Jake's takes and see the photos that he put up. They're amazing. Here's a fun fact. I did not know this about Mexico city right now is the rainy season. Um, it's, it, it's, and, and so we went uh, up into the mountains about an hour outside of the city uh, to a 16th century uh, nun convent. And imagine from about, like, you could set your, your watch to it, from about 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., thunderstorms hit. Every day, no fail, all four days I was there. Oh, really? Thunderstorms. So it's pouring rain. Lightning is crashing. Thunder is booming. You are in this old chapel with candles all around you. It's, you know, it's literally centuries, years old, so water is dripping through the ceiling. There is a screen that has been set up in front of you, and that, and you're in these old wooden chairs... And that is where we watched it. You were walking around the corridors of this old, I mean, I'm telling you, it was as if Warner Brothers had like, you couldn't have written it to be like the the rain's coming in and you're wiping the rain. You're you're afraid you're going to get hit by lightning and you turn a corner and there's just a woman or no, someone in a nun outfit running straight towards you. They would, they would have it set Stop. Like, and, and, and it would be lit in such a way that the light would be behind her. So she would be silhouetted. So you would just see the silhouette of a nun sprinting towards you. <laughs> And I had to pull someone aside and said, you guys have to stop because I'm going to punch someone. And I don't want the biggest headline to be Chicago reporter punches none in Mexico because that's what's going to happen. And as if that weren't enough, they set up a haunted house underground in the catacombs where you had to crouch down. You had to wear a, you had to wear a helmet. and one hand, you had a lantern. and the other hand, you had a cross. And I went through, and every <laughs> nope. corner you would turn, they would have nuns nope. that were there, or they would have bodies nope. and body bags flopping around. And I kept telling, I'm going to stab you with my cross. And I would hear them giggling. And I don't know it's because maybe, I, I, and I would try to translate in, uh, in, in, into Spanish, and I would say, like, you're laughing, but I'm not joking. I'm going to punch you if you keep doing this. So... <laughs> I, I didn't punch a nun, and I didn't realize that walking out of the, those interviews that that would be the greatest accomplishment for me. But I can I can stand here and now honestly tell you, with all the strength I had within me, I did not punch a nun. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome! It looked great. I'm so glad. It was very cool. It was yeah, very the cool. Pictures were amazing, man. I love the like the especially because like, Jake does a really good job of like with his filters and things like that. So like the never met a filter I didn't like. The shots were pretty wild, man. <laughs> filters in portrait mode, baby. That's why whenever people meet me in person, they go, ooh. (laughs) What people people don't know is that Jake is actually passing gas in every one of those photos. (laughs) Every every one of them, there is is gas being uh, passed. Every one of them. We can talk about the nun as we get closer to opening. Instead, you guys both saw Searching, which I didn't get to see. And and it's getting really good reviews. People are saying that it's, it's really good. Is it worth checking out? Yeah, I would say so. I, I think it's a really good movie. I feel like people keep forgetting the films Unfriended, which yeah. has done this before. So oh, everyone for real? keeps talking is that about is? this novel. Like, yeah, Unfriended is basically a horror film, but told in that same concept with a computer yep. screen using using uh, Skype and, and FaceTime and all that sort of stuff. So it's been done before. It's not quite as brown, groundbreaking as everyone else claims it is. Here's what I'll say. I was super into it the entire time I was watching it. And then I sort of walked out thinking, cool, I'll never see that movie again. Because mm-hmm. once the bits over and once you know what the the mystery is i feel like there is no rewatchability factor whatsoever yeah it's definitely not a movie i'll watch again but um yeah and and it's interesting that there's so many articles about the groundbreaking nature of this film and and again unfriended was was one i remember the junket for unfriended we actually did on computers like i i i remember like you would literally sit in a room and the actors would be in another room and you would do the interview over skype or something like that it was interesting um, but yeah, searching is takes place. Jake, I, I guess to to clarify this, it takes place all on a computer screen and iPhones, right? I, I yeah, it's it, 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 in the digital world. Like at some point, world, you're, right. you're watching. You might be screen. watching a news clip. You're you're watching yeah. a screen in some form or fashion. 
whether it be someone's yeah. phone, whether it be someone's Mac, someone's PC, or even like a local news program. A couple of things I thought were fascinating about the movie, um, uh, from a from a technical standpoint, uh, how they how they filmed it. Uh, I genuinely thought that the actors were looking right into the normal uh, camera of the either the iPhone and or the computer, which was not the case. They actually had a GoPro attached to each device. And they had to look up at the GoPro, but it had to be in such a way where the eye line still worked with the camera angle of That's the cool. of the screen. Um, so I remember uh, Deborah Messing and John Schultz saying this at the junket where they had an earpiece in. I think there were two earpieces, one that where they could hear each other conversing and then the other where they could hear the director who would be saying, open your eyes up an inch more, look up. And like to, to the ability to still emotionally act while dealing with that technology is pretty fascinating to me, and I think Deborah Messing and John Cho did a great job with it. Um, also, a couple of things that I find interesting about the movie, specifically, is the tonal shift the movie makes when it goes from Mac or from from Windows to Mac. Um, so the beginning of the film, the first half of the film, if I remember correctly, was generally on a Mac or I'm sorry, a Windows machine. Um, and then at one point, when he opens up his daughter's computer, who has a Mac, uh, there's a bit of a shift in tone. Um, maybe past present kind of thing. So if you're really into that, like the, those details when you're watching the movie, watch when it switches from Windows to uh, to Mac, and it's kind of a, a fascinating, uh, nerdy little thing to kind of look at and see how the tone of the movie shifts. Um, but I liked it. I, I there was it definitely the ending without giving anything away. Um, I think you'll people will be surprised where they lie emotionally um, with the decisions some of these characters made. Okay. Uh, I thought it was fascinating um, how I felt for certain people, um, whether or not they were doing bad or good things. I thought that was interesting. But is there weird... any part of you that wants to watch it again? No, I mean, I, I think that it's 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 something that I, it's fascinating to watch. It's definitely an interesting watch. I recommend seeing it. It's cool on the big screen, especially the screen element of it all. Um, but no, I wouldn't. I, I would watch it again probably. Um, so they did a weird sort of like limited release. And then this is like one of the only wide releases. And then we're going to get behind because next week, uh, the three of us are going to Toronto and we're going to be at yeah, the Toronto we are. Yeah, International Festival. Oh gosh, Gabe, you totally forgot to remind me. You're fired. Um, we Gabe. need, so we need a theme song, right? We need music to start at the beginning of the podcast. I'm sorry. Have I not been singing literally every freaking episode? So if someone who has music can set your songs to you music. Know, I quit. I no, quit this freaking. No, I am tired I of being undervalued. your element of that to incorporate into some music and make a real blend theme song. My voice is all the music you need, Sean O'Connell. All right. Can someone? Take I may that not sample? punch a numb, but I'll punch you. Take some samples of Jake and real turn blend, them into an original blend. song. What you talk about, real blend, real blend. There needs to be Dunkirk in there as well. Like that needs to be part of the theme song. Challenge <laughs> issued. Um, we need to get a hundred star ratings, and we need a theme song generated by some of our incredibly creative listeners uh, before we reach the end of the year. Yeah, Those and when you do goals. it, prepare to be undervalued. With no um, assistance from Gabe whatsoever, who was supposed to remind me to do this at the top of the show and just decided it, really nilly, uh, that we're just going to let you guys do the show. Just go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. So um, I think we talked about, did we talk about it, Tiff? Like what our most anticipated what was, what we most Yeah, to uh, we did our fall. Yeah. Yeah. We You're a Beautiful Boy and uh, uh, which we're doing interviews for. And are, we all, are all three of us doing interviews for Beautiful Boy? Yeah. Yeah. I believe I am beautiful. too. Yeah. We'll yeah. Be, so, yeah. Which so would be, uh, be pretty solid being is that we're really going to look at the schedule and try to figure out um, a time when the three of us can record a live podcast. So you guys, where all three of us are together in the same room. And so hopefully you guys can look forward to listening to fun, that. fun behind the scenes fact that people don't know, like Gabe was counting us down to the, the, the final seconds before we went live as the, as all of us were trying to figure out what our Toronto schedule is. Like we're, yeah. we're literally days from flying to Canada and none of us, I have no idea when I'm going home. That's, yeah. That tells you how crazy this year is. I don't yeah. know when I'm seeing half the movies I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, there, it, and uh, I've said this before in the podcast, but this podcast started years ago in Toronto because of uh, after we left Gravity, we yeah. were so blown away by Gravity and what Alfonso Cuaron did. We, we needed to somehow vocalize it yeah. in, a, in, a, in a podcast format, in a longer format. Um, so I, I think, what, and Sean, I was telling you this, we'll, we're, we're probably going to have to do it late at night uh, after like a long day of like screenings and interviews. Because like during doing it during the day is going to be absolutely impossible. I would I hope we do it 
towards the end of our stay only because that we can talk about what we've done so far yeah well, i guess we'll figure it out what what's going on so I, I beg the studios if you're listening solidify your schedules so that we can figure out two things one when we can all get together and record real blend right but two when i can go home because <laughs> these are two things that i do not know right now and i feel like they're fairly important all right, yeah. and we need two names to join us um, uh, during the Toronto podcast. Quaron, if we can get Alfonso to join us to, mm-hmm. to talk Roma, and maybe it'll no probably work. Uh, Damien, if da- if Damien Chazelle could join mm-hmm. us, I mean he'll be up there for first man. Well, I just texted Lady Gaga. Um, oh, great! And she she will be joining us uh, live for our podcast. Awesome! Um, so that's going to be happening, and Good. so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be right. it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll try to promote that on social. Can you guys I tell I have a poker face when I said that? Uh, oh, jeez. Oh God! Oh Lord, have mercy! Oh Jesus! <laughs> I, just, I, I oh Jake, do you I get it? Because that's I, one of her songs. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I was lying. <laughs> this do you get it? Like, when, when how did any of us have friends in high school? When you're when you're playing poker, though, you you have to have a face that lies about the cards you have. How are you um, married? So I was lying about <laughs> having her on our show. This but also, she has a song. How is there a woman that chooses to live with you? I was asking myself that question. <laughs> <laughs> this week's blend game, which many of you played along with on social media, yeah, this, this is a popular really, one. It is the are the films of Brad Pitt, uh, yeah. and we decided to call it Pitt Blend. Let me go and check and see if uh, Gabe has told us what order that we should give our. No, yeah, look, at, Gabe has not told us what order. We're not going to we hear should, from Gabe again. You call Gabe out live on the air. Gabe's actually not even there. You know, what's, what, what's <laughs> happening is it's that bit from Ocean's 8 where the, he's looped footage of himself sitting there. And this is, it, it's not actually him. It's literally. Can I get a copy of that footage? It, it's or speed. I would have said speed. Speed's with, a better. Yeah, speed's oh, a better yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what's funny? I was, I, right as I made that joke just now, I kept thinking to myself, what was the first time I saw them do that? And it was speed. speed. You're right. Because Dennis Hopper had yeah. those cameras on the bus. Which was still one of the greatest action movies. Just look of all forward, because yeah, he calls God, her Wildcat, which uh, is uh, her tattoo, her Arizona I, tattoo. I always found this is weird, and I think I, I don't know if you guys have this same thing in in your lives when you when, when if you watch a movie and something randomly sticks out to you that for the rest of your life that's what you think about. So, for example, remember in Speed when they were on that highway and like they would run into those like big yellow things that were in front of the barriers that had like water yeah. or sand in them yeah. that helped yes. you slow down. Uh-huh. So every time I pass one of those on the highway, speed <laughs> hits my mind. I yeah. always think of speed because I remember the cars or whatever it was running into that. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder if they actually had sand or water in them. But like little things like that, that is the first thing that comes to my mind every time I pass one of those yellow things. Every time. Yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, I've been told Jake has to go first. We're back to, I'm uh, sorry. We're, not that Brad Pitt doing? is in speed. <laughs> we're playing mm. th- hashtag pit blend. And yes. Jake, you get to go first. This uh, is our I, favorite, favorite Brad Pitt. Favorite Brad Pitt performance. Movie performance and performance. not best. We've not switched best. the game. It's favorite. And not so movie performance. 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 I actually changed mine about halfway through the day. I texted Gabe one thing this morning and another thing later in the day. Oh. I'm going with the assassination of Jesse James uh, by the coward uh, Robert Ford. A very um, popular pick with our our listeners. It's here's what I'll get, I'll say and and he and, I, and I, this is such a cliche. It's such a, like a stupid thing to say that I make fun of it all the time. He does so much by doing so little. Mm. It's not as scene chewy as something like uh, a Fight Club or a Twelve Monkeys. I've never heard but, that critique, Jake. That's a new one. Has anyone ever used that? <laughs> what? Seen Chewy? <laughs> no, he's just, done just, so much by doing oh, so yeah. little. <laughs> but just like, it, it, it's he he is just this broken man that in a lot of ways is a, par- is a parable of himself because he's a celebrity without people knowing who he is. Yeah. He's uh, an image of someone that people have created based on stories that they've heard around him. He's almost a legend at this point. And, and to that sort of degree that I think a lot of us can relate to of, of, of when you meet someone and, and deep down you look in their eyes and you realize and they know that they're not as great as the legend that you've heard about them. Mm-hmm. And he takes that, that, that mentality and gives the, what is truly just a heartbreaking performance. And I'm not trying to say, I know Jesse James did a lot of things that, that you know, we shouldn't idolize or call him a hero for, but he humanizes this guy in such a way that it makes me both feel bad for Jesse James and makes me feel bad for Brad Pitt, the person. 
Hmm. But he does it in such a way that I never see Brad Pitt. And that's that's one of those things that I feel like he's had to get over as an actor. Because he is such an amazing actor, but his celebrity is bigger than 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 his than his career, unfortunately. And every time he takes on a role, he's got to get over that. And I think he does, which to me, I think, makes him one of the most underrated actors in the history of cinema. But he does so in such a way that he's able to both comment on his own celebrity and make me forget about it at the same time, which is why the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is my favorite performance of his. Outstanding. It's hard for me to back a movie like that when um, he's so overshadowed by Deacon's cinematography. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Which should have movie. won. Like, that's that's the, <laughs> the movie that, that Deacon should have won the Oscar for. I'd even argue that Casey Affleck is amazing in that. Like, yes, he, he got an Oscar nomination. Yeah, the two of their performances yeah. are incredible. But you're totally right in that that role, Pitt could only play it at that part in his life, right? Like, I, if he agree, tried to 100%. do it five years earlier, ten years earlier. It yeah, or been. even five or ten years later. Yeah, not even close. Um, it's a brilliant performance. Uh, Kevin, you get to go second. Yeah, so it's interesting to me. Um, had we not changed this game to favorite, um, if I was, if we just did best, Jesse James would have been my, there would have been an obvious choice for me. I think Jesse mm-hmm. James is the best performance of his career, no question. Um, it is just an astounding film, um, cinematography-wise, performance-wise. Uh, Andrew Dominic did a hell of a job with that movie. Do you remember in, in Jesse James, certain scenes where the outer edges of the film were out yeah. of focus. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved that. And I always found that to be interesting. Um, but yeah, it, that it's funny. So there were three films that I was going in between for Brad Pitt. And this is where that best favorite thing comes in. So best, I would have gone Jesse James. Um, then my next choice was true romance, but I oh. true, true romance yeah. is it's such, it's too small of a role to call my favorite though. It is one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances only because it's just so different and he's on that couch and those mob guys come in and he's like he's like you want to hit yeah. this ball and like he has like the honey I ball just, I've always thought that like <laughs> so that was just Brad Pitt and he just happened to be there on set yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wasn't so actually too. giving a performance and they're like Brad what yeah. do you do? oh no, fine just put him in the movie yeah. I love what he, I, I love what he's just like like the way he talks on the phone and then just like the whole living with Dick Ritchie in the apartment with Michael Rappaport it was just it, it's amazing it was just, oh too wait wait can I guess yours can I guess it yeah. You've already given two that it isn't, so it makes it a little bit easier. But did you pick Snatch? I didn't. And Snatch is one of my favorites, though. But I went with Fight Club. Um, okay. And I think Fight Club is probably a, a, a an obvious choice. Uh, I love Fight Club because the character just doesn't care. Like, he's just... He has literally no rules in his life whatsoever. He's just... He is the opposite of Edward Norton's character, literally. I mean, they're the same person. But I, I, I think it's interesting to get that perspective of someone who's just riding through life, not giving an F about anything. You know what I mean? And I think um, just it's every... Liberating. It's very liberating. Exactly. And it, it, it feels liberating. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they watch that movie, and you see Edward Norton as this uptight guy who has everything kind of down to a T in his apartment. I mean, I still, I still blows my mind that shot that Fincher has as we go through his apartment and all the little things pop up about what he's um, purchased. But Pitt was like, yeah, you're, liberating is actually a great term for it. It was like this like freeing aspect of this uptight guy we just saw. And I feel like Pitt probably had the time of his life playing that role. Um, just the every aspect of that performance from for me, it was it was unpredictable. It was frightening. It was disturbing. Um, I mean, the sex scene with is one of the most insane sex scenes I've ever seen in my life uh, with, um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on her. Yeah, yeah, Helena Bonham Carter. Um, I, I don't know why, but the moment that comes to mind when I think about Brad Pitt in that movie is when Lou, the guy who runs that bar that they're fighting underneath, is on the ground, and, and, and Brad Pitt's like, you don't know where I've been, Lou, and like all that blood's like coming out of his mouth. And I, 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 just, I just found that performance to be so much fun. And I mean, I mean, every scene I, I'm thinking about it in my mind, especially the scene when uh, Pitt is in the film projector room and he drops that pornography clip into that movie in the theater. <laughs> and it's, I, don't, I just love the way he performed it. There was literally no stress to that character whatsoever. He was just living his life. like, yeah. and, and there was nothing. And to me, that it, it, it just makes me happy to watch him play that role uh and everything about just that whole twist that movie when i first saw it, i didn't get it i, I was 14 
Um, it was, it didn't do that well in theaters. It was a very, it's an interesting film, and especially having Pitt, Brad Pitt take on a role like that. It was very fascinating at the time. I remember seeing Junket footage of that, like him and Edward Norton did the Junket together. Um, I don't know. I, 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 that's my favorite. When I think of Brad Pitt movies, favorite wise, that's the one I'll put on constantly because it's such a liberating performance. It, it, it genuinely just kind of just goes, I don't know. It, it was just, it's just a fun character to watch well i think at the time when it came out like it would be disturbing to to sit in the audience and to agree with things that tyler durden says sure yeah like and when when he says it and and treats these anti-establishment things as truth and you're like wait a second you're making a lot of sense yeah that's the thing it's 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 one of those (laughs) things where you start agreeing with him and then going oh god i do like what does yeah. that say about me? <laughs> yeah. I understand what he's saying. Right, all right. Yeah, exactly. And but I mean, I, everything about him. I think we're all we all have uptight elements to us, me specifically because I just deal with anxiety and things like that and I don't know, it's just, there's just something I, I think the word you used liberating was so was a great word. It's like it's mm-hmm. like watching that character just not care. Mm-hmm. And it's like the it was just, I don't know. I just I, I love when he meets him on the plane for the first time. Um, what does he, what does he say? They're high as Hin, Hindu cows or something like that. What was that line? Oh, yeah. When they're when that? He's pointing at the, the safety brochure. Yeah. Like something about cows, right? Oh, is that what I'm going to bring it around to something I think of every single time that I do it, where you mentioned like the barrels and speed. I can't go past somebody on an airplane without thinking, am I giving them the butt or my crotch? <laughs> <laughs> every single time I pass somebody in a movie theater row or in an airplane, I'm like, well, am I going to be the butt or am I giving you the crotch? I, I think that fight club. The scene I'm referring to is the one where, like, they, they have the pamphlets in front of them of the people, like, that are, like, what to do in, a, in an emergency situation. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. they all look calm or whatever it was, whatever the line was. <laughs> something right. like cows or something like yeah. that. I can't remember. But great, great scene. One of my favorite, uh, uh, definitely my favorite Brad Pitt movie. All right. I went in a completely different direction um, for totally different reasons. This is the reason why I came up with my choice for my favorite Brad Pitt um, role and performance. And it's Rusty in the Oceans movies. Oh yeah. Good one. So a great one. I love him in those movies for this reason. Um, part of Brad Pitt, I think hates that, um, he's as good looking as Brad Pitt is right. And like most extremely good looking actors, um, when they challenge themselves, they have to take on the tortured role, whether it's 12 monkeys or fight club, or even, you know, the intensity of seven or some such nonsense. But when, um, but when, when Brad Pitt just allows him to be, the effortlessly cool, you know, megawatt celebrity personality yeah. that he is, that he's born. He was born and bred and packaged and delivered. You're going to be one of the most famous people on the planet because this is who you are. Right. And then the oceans movies, lets all of those guys be that. And it's yeah, like, yeah. it's a sight to see. And in, even in that world, Pitt has so much fun with the food that he's eating, you know, He's yeah, constantly eating yeah. in every single scene. Can and I, as they, as Sean, through, I, don't mean to, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. What is the eating thing? Is that true that he's eating in every movie? Is that is that something? I read something the other day about that. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I mean I, at least through the first the oceans. One, there yeah. are some I, scenes I read where... that it helps him because he doesn't always know what to do with his hands. Oh, really? Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, and in uh, fact, that's what I read that um, that Soderbergh makes fun of it in Ocean's Eleven because there's a sequence where. Uh, every time it cuts back to Pitt, he's got something different in his hand. Oh, really? That's funny. Yes. I should go back oh, and okay. see. Continue, now, Sean. Sorry. I know that there are some scenes in the movie where he doesn't, because there's that scene where he has to show up in the, as well, yeah. just as the doctor. Right. But but whenever they're planning the heist, he does always tend to have some sort of food. And it has yeah. one of the funniest gags to me where we talk about how people, you know, are recognized for celebrity. Jake, you had a great point about that for Jesse James. And they're at the celebrity poker yeah, tournament where he's t- training all these up and comers how to play cards. And they step out of a nightclub, and Topher Grace of all people yeah. gets swarmed by, yeah. by fans. And, and, and Brad, and, and Brad Pitt, Pitt just walks through. Yeah, <laughs> totally ignored. So I I love those performances a because I just think they're a lot of fun, um, and they are they're fun without them looking like they're trying so hard to have fun. Like look how much fun we're having. They're just having a great time in each other's company. Yeah, and. But um, they also do so in such a way that is, for lack of a better word, relatable. There is a, there is, as, even though we're watching a collection of some of the biggest stars on the planet, there's an element of like, they would probably let me in <laughs> if I had talent in some form or fashion. Yeah, like, yeah. like, I feel like I could be a part of that group. Yep. I think we take on the Matt Damon character of the group. Yes. You know, where yeah. you're sort of like the little brother. The nose place. The nose yeah, place. Yeah. And see, I already <laughs> have the big nose from uh, Ocean's 13, so you don't even have to 
give me a prosthetic, I have it. Unpopular opinion, by the way. 12 is my favorite. No, 12 oh. is great. 12 is oh. great. I love 12. Oh. I think 12 love. is better than 13. Oh. 12 is the best one. 12 is amazing. 12 is, the Julia Roberts bit is my favorite bit in the entire trilogy. It's such a great bit. I'd have to go back scene. and revisit it. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Eleven's right? amazing too. I mean, listen. I mean, but I know twelve is disliked. I love twelve. It's Soderbergh's it. favorite. It's my 12 favorite. Is his favorite. It's the, yeah, it's the yeah. best one. Twelve looks the most cinematic. I can tell why you love it. It looks so shot on film. It's like fifty so percent grain. It's the European yeah. setting. Which it's really just helps one too. big grain. <laughs> it's like one giant grain. Well, okay. I know, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. no I was please. gonna say. I was gonna say one more thing about Brad Pitt in yeah. Fight Club is that I love when he educates the audience on cigarette burns I, I i just love everything about that character he's like he's like Ding, and then it hits the screen and i don't know i just I, I'm, I'm obsessed with that performance michael robert uh playing at home says seven uh what's in the box rita rita ramos or ramos um says the curious case of benjamin button i love now, me some benjamin button so i want to bring this up just briefly and i won't sidetrack too much i promise uh gabe um is that i love benjamin button I absolutely love it. And one of my colleagues at Cinema Blend, uh, Mike Ray, has pointed out the fact that it's essentially Forrest Gump, but just... It's written by the same guy. It's written by the same guy. But I disagree with that. I don't think it's essentially Forrest Gump. And maybe it's just Fincher, but I like Zemeckis too. But I think that Benjamin Button plays much better than Forrest Gump does. Benjamin Button is a masterpiece. I mean, it's a great film. And like, I still, to this day, am blown away by the filmmaking of how they did that, those elements, especially the scenes when he's smaller. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember Taraji P. Ensign saying that they would, they would bring in a person who was smaller in height and they would wear a sock on their head with like X's and O's where their mouths were. Uh, and then I remember Pitt had apparently go into a, another studio and shoot every scene from the neck up that where he wasn't normal uh, or well, he wasn't the, the the character's size at an older age right um not normal but just the size of him later on so i think to me like that performance is one of his best only be, if you think about what he had to do to yeah. to to actually yeah. execute that performance absolutely um, and taraji's great in that too i mean that that is an incredible achievement in cinema in filmmaking was the was that scene in the water with the the, the big boat uh, sequence of the storm is that my thing about the same movie? Yeah, that's because yeah, he that's goes off group. on that boat for oh, years. Man, what a scene! Um, yeah, also, I need to revisit he, that when he finally gets to the age where he's able to sort of romance Kate Blanchett when they're kind yes. of the same age, and he looks so much like Redford. He looks so much like a yeah, young yeah, Redford. Yeah. There, there are mo- there are moments in certain films where the the celebrities, the A list celebrities, look just too beautiful to even look at. Um, the cast of um, talented Mr. Ripley. It's like everybody in their prime, yeah. right? It's like Jude yeah. Law, Matt Damon, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. It's Paltra. like a product commercial. Oh, God. I mean, you can't even look plot. at them. They can't even look yeah. at them. And when Pitt and Kate Blanchett are both at the romance stage of, of Benjamin Button, it's like it's like yeah. Fincher captured magic. Yeah. Also, um, quick note, the the my original selection that I ended up changing from to uh, Jesse James was Moneyball. I oh, feel I like that Moneyball. is truly one of his most underrated, even though he got an Oscar nomination for, uh, for it. That's one of his most underrated performances, and a lot, in a lot of the same ways that I liked Jesse James. Is I liked his more, I like his more subtle stuff. Yeah. I like his, I like, I like his less is more kind of thing. Chris Landis said um, Twelve Monkeys, yeah, and then uh, Michael Bergeron also said Assassination of Jesse James. So, and I saw Assassination of Jesse James by a ton of people. So Jesse Jake, James think, is his best performance. No Jake, question. You win, you win yeah. this week. Congratulations. You get, you get to carry the trophy this week. So, uh, next week's homework because we are going to be live. Um, and the three of us are going to be together in Toronto, yeah, uh, we are. where this podcast got its start. Um, yeah, we are. After we saw a screening of Gravity, we are going to play hashtag Quaron Blend. So yes. we will discuss the favorite films of Alfonso. I, I have mine. I have mine too, and I don't think it's what everybody's thinking. Of. I, I think everyone, I don't think anyone's going to know mine. Uh, I don't know. My, mine, I talk about mine a lot. I wish we got a chance to see Roma. Before we did this, but... uh, I will give a hint to this. Every time I interview an actor from this film, I always ask about one scene. I know, I know what yours is. Then. I know what yours yeah. is. I also know the scene too. That's how much we know this. Uh, so next also, week, I as think a I reminder, also know the interviews. <laughs> that's how much we love Kevin. We're just big fans of his work. Um, next week we will be live uh, in 
Toronto. The three of us will be together. We will uh, fight through uh, everything to make sure that our schedules somehow line up and that we're able to record. Uh, we thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode. Sorry, we were at a different time. Jake had to go see his top secret Oscar winner. Um, yeah, and, but we were still happy to get together and discuss everything that we went over. Uh, listeners can find us, of course, on Twitter. We are at Real Blend. You have been challenged. Two different things. I'm going to remind you again. Uh, star ratings. We want to hit 100 by the end of the year, or Gabe is going to fire one of us. So 2019 will just be oh, two Oh, God, hosts. it's going to be me, isn't it? And we need an original song by some of our creative uh, listeners uh, who can come up with some sort of sampling that uses uh, Jake's various songs and Kevin's use of the word Dunkirk uh, into an original tune that we can use. Maybe, maybe we can get Celine. Album. Can we get Celine Dion to do it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. If anyone knows how to get in touch with Ryan Reynolds, he might yeah, know maybe, where Celine Dion is. So. I would love to get Celine Dion to... Uh... To record our thing. So please do all that for us. We're giving you a lot of homework um, and we will essentially talk to you guys next week at a time to be determined. So until then, thank you very much, uh, Blenders. We will talk to you next week. Dunkirk. 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 All three of us said it. Wow. That was special. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.